guys, welcome back to Keeping It OD Podcast and happy Monday. Before we get started, I want to thank all of you for over 150 streams of last week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. I do plan to continue interviewing faculty, students, and admissions committees, so let me know what schools you'd like to see on here, and I'll make an effort to bring them on. In today's episode, we'll have Dr. Kim Cohn, Associate Dean of Students and a clinical professor at Indiana School of Optometry. Dr. Cohn attended IU for undergrad, then went on to get her OD degree from OMSL. We did an episode with OMSL a couple weeks ago, so if you want to learn more about them, you can go ahead and listen to that one. Dr. Cohn graduated in 2004 with her OD. Then she came back to her alma mater, Indiana University, to complete an ocular disease residency. Dr. Cohn now works with third-year interns on the primary care floor. She also helps conduct interviews, or what Indiana University calls admissions days. Now, without further ado, let's answer all of your questions about Indiana College of Optometry with Dr. Cohn. I'll just let her introduce herself, and then we'll get started. Hi everybody, I am Dr. Kim Cohn. I am the Associate Dean of Students at Indiana University School of Optometry. I also am a clinician here and I teach some classes. So I'm pretty involved with all aspects of student life here. Very involved with interviewing and all things student life here on campus. I'm really happy to be with you today, Karen, and answer any questions that you guys have. Awesome. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Cohn. So um, we're going to break this episode into two parts. So the first part, we're just going to be talking about the application process and what an applicant um, should be aware of um, when it comes to Indiana College of Optometry and what they're looking for in an applicant. And then the next segment of the episode, we're going to be talking about their optometry program and what they should expect as incoming students. Um, so the first question that I have for you, Dr. Cohn, here is, what are you looking for in an applicant and specifically what makes a competitive applicant in your opinion? Yeah, definitely. So it all starts with the application, right? Um, at Indiana University, we take a very holistic view to the application. Obviously, your numbers are, are going to matter, right? So your GPA, um, OAT scores, GRE, whatever you took um, as an interest exam. And we also look at other things as far as those numbers go. So like your biology, chemistry, physics, GPA, and things like that. So yeah, we're going to look at your numbers, but then we're going to dive deeper into that application. We're going to look at extracurriculars. We're going to look at your life circumstances, um, what changed you, your personal statement. It's going to say a lot to us about who you are and what you want to do for the profession and why you're interested in the profession in the first place. And so, yeah, the numbers are going to get you there, but we really like to take a very holistic view. And somebody who has a lot of grit, somebody who has a lot of passion, um, that's kind of what we're looking for for a student here at IUSO. Sounds good, that is awesome. So you mentioned that you guys accept um, a couple of different entrance exams. So is it possible at all to get invited to an interview at IUSO without taking an entrance exam? Yes. So. Currently at uh, Indiana University, actually we are test blind at this point. We, um, you do not have to take the OAT to um, get an interview and to get considered for admissions here at IUSO. This is uh, new to us this year. And what we found is we've done a lot of research about what makes A, a successful applicant in our program and B, makes somebody successful in passing national boards. And so a lot of our researchers has done analytics for the last 10 years. And we have found that 
The best predictor of how you will do in optometry school is your undergraduate GPA. And the best predictor for your success on national boards is your GPA at the end of your first year of optometry school. And so right now we're um, OAT GRE blind. We have taken the GRE in the past and the OAT obviously, um, but we're gonna collect some data and see how our students do without those interest tests and then kind of move forward. So that was a whole long explanation to say, yeah, you definitely can get an interview without an OAT score in place. Awesome. So I know IUSO does um, interviews a little bit different um, and yeah. It's usually an invitation to an admissions day. So can you just walk us through how the IUSO I, I admissions day is? <laughs> and what are some tips to leave a lasting impression on your interviewers, especially that you're not um, having that one-on-one -on -one time with them and you're doing sure. it in a group setting? Yeah, I think a lot of people um, are surprised by our admissions process, but honestly, I, I swear by it. Um, so what we do in an admissions day is obviously we do our holistic review of the applicant. And then if a, a student gets invited to an admissions day, they obviously meet the criteria to make it in our program. The admissions day for us is a day for us to get to know the students and the students get to know us. We are big believers and you will learn best where you're fit. So when we start, um, the dean gives an introduction. I give a brief introduction and kind of talk about the day a little bit and then uh, Cindy Vance, our Director of Student Administration, and Kevin Schmidt will give a presentation about our school, just some information about our program and our curriculum and Bloomington itself. And then we go into the faculty panel, and that's normally where we have three or four faculty members sit in front of our students, the potential students, and answer any questions that they can think of at that time. After that, we take a very small break and then we go into what's called the breakout rooms. This kind of simulates our lunch. We used to have lunch where we would sit at tables. And, but so the breakout rooms kind of simulate lunch. And um, there's a student and faculty member in the breakout room. And that's a very casual time to get to ask relaxed questions, get to know each other further, um, and kind of just, you know, kind of learn more about each other. We learn a great deal in those breakout rooms. And then once we come out of those, we have a student panel where we have our first, second, and third year sit on a panel and kind of ask, answer questions about day-to-day -day life, how much they pay in rent, why they chose IUSO, challenges that they faced, and things along those lines. So really, you're never gonna hear me say or bring you into a breakout room by yourself and ask you why your physics OAT score was what it was. After we've done the holistic review of your application, we think that you deserve to be there. And so that is why our day is structured the way that it is. Tips for lasting impressions. I think that's a great question. Um, honestly, is what I'm looking for on that day is how you interact with others. How do you deal in this situation? Because someday soon, I'm gonna put you in an exam lane all by yourself with a patient, just you and the patient. And I wanna know how you're gonna react in that situation. And that's kind of what our admissions day is kind of like is, um, just trying to see how you're gonna deal with that. Are you talkative? Do you ask questions freely? How do you do in that breakout room? Like, how are you interacting? Not just with me or my student, but with the other people in that room. Um, we learn a lot by watching people during that day. And so um, I, I will never go back to one-on-one -on -one interviews because that is a very practiced, a very canned situation because you can study the questions before you come. And I'm not learning about you. And that's what I need to know about is you and what kind of doctor you're gonna be. 
Awesome. So I think you've touched on that briefly, but so after the admissions um, day and you meeting all the candidates during that day, what's the applicant review process like? So what kind of goes into it um, and what should be the next steps for the applicant? Are they going to hear from you um, or how's that go? Perfect. So we will go back to the admissions committee and have discussions about the students and, and their admissions into program. We have a rolling admission. So once we offer admissions to you, you can pay your $500 deposit at any point, um, as long as a class isn't full. So if you went to an admissions day in October and you don't want to pay for your seat, you finally make your decision come February, you can do that as long as the class isn't full. Once the class is full, we'll start a waiting list and we'll kind of go from there. Um, so it's really dependent on that. You normally find out within two weeks of your admissions day whether or not you're admitted into program. And, um, and like I said, we don't really have a, a deadline on when you have to pay by. If you do receive any scholarship money from us, you do have a certain amount of time that you have to tell us within. Um, but usually we're very flexible with that, especially now because you know lots of people are Zooming and it's so much easier to do interviews than it was before. Um, so if someone were to get a scholarship offer, they only need to reach out to us and, and we can be very flexible with that. Awesome. So I know that IUSO just launched a new um, combined program, which is the ODMS program. Um, can you share a little bit about that and what the application process to that program looks like? Sure. So we have always had the ODMS program, but we have just launched this new ODMS scholarship. And that application is on our website for anybody to fill out if they're interested in that. The ODMS program here at IUSO is you would take MS classes in conjunction with your OD classes. Um, a lot of the OD classes count toward the MS program. So it's not a ton of extra classes, but you do have to do some research. And there are a couple like epidemiology classes and um, an oxyopia class that you have to take for specifically the MS program. Um, so there are additional credit hours in there. Even if you didn't have the scholarship, you can get an MS at no additional cost. Like we have a flat fee here at IUSO. So once you hit a certain amount of credit hours, you, you're good, you're already paying that money. So that's where you're going. Um, but we are offering two ODMS scholarships. The deadline for that is January 15th. And so you just go online and we have an application for that. And some of the stuff we can pull from your OptomCast, but a few, there are a few other things that you have to add in. You do have to have a GRE score though for the MS portion of that scholarship. Awesome. So we've talked a lot about um, IUSO from an applicant standpoint. I do want to um, go over the Indiana College of Optometry program, so curriculum, didactic, didactics, and clinical um, sure. curriculum over that. So can you give us a brief overview of the IUSO program? Oh, absolutely. So as as with all optometry schools, we are a four-year program, obviously. We do start out heavy didactic. Um, so in your first year, first semester, you will be taking your basic sciences, the very foundation of what we're gonna build your whole optometry career on. You do start clinical courses in that first semester of the first year, but it is not, um, it isn't, 
it isn't with patient care, it's learning the beginning of the exam. And our clinical courses at IUSO kind of build on each other through curriculum. In the second semester, first year, you'll start your second uh, clinical course and you're also gonna continue on with your didactic stuff because a lot of that basic sciences will continue to see through the entire program as well as your optics coursework and things like that. Second year is heavy clinical learning. So you do have some didactic classes in there, but now we're starting heavy clinical learning. That's where you learn anterior and posterior segment. You're going to learn how to put the whole exam together and then go into didactic. Um, go into second semester, second year, that's where we take our big competency exam, which is the test you need to pass to make sure you can get to the clinic floor. In that second semester of your second year, you start what we call clerkships, and that's where you follow around a third year, um, kind of get used to the clinic itself, where things are, and the third year will let you do some entrance testing and maybe a refraction or something, depending on the patient and how much time we have. And then the summer between your second and third year is when you start patient care and you're not in pairs, you're absolutely on your own in a room by yourself with a patient ready to go. We have a strong um, philosophy here at IUSO that I want you to start seeing a patient when you know the entire exam. When you're a first year, first semester, you basically don't know anything. I mean, you can do some entrance tests, but you really don't know how to interpret them or what to do with those. When I put you in exam lane, you're a doctor as far as I'm concerned. You and I are becoming colleagues and we're gonna start acting like doctors. So when you come to the floor, you're ready to go to do the entire exam. Also, when you come to the floor, you're gonna start in primary care. And primary care at IUSO is different. We, we screen nobody. Um, there's nothing that you won't see in primary care that you wouldn't see as a fourth year in primary care. We have disease, binocular vision problems, we have regular myopes, we have contact lenses, we do everything. Um, so it is a full service primary care from the moment you hit the floor. And then on into your third year, you're gonna to continue to see patients and we're gonna start wrapping up basically your optometric education, getting ready, preparing you to go out for rotations that last year. That last year is your rotation year and we do four 12 week rotations. So um, you will pick four sites and rotate through those in your fourth year. And that's sort of, that's kind of a really abbreviated view of our curriculum and clinical here at IUSO. Awesome. You briefly touched on what kind of um, problems or ocular diseases that um, students will be exposed to in the clinics. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about the patient population and what that's like in Bloomington? Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> so a lot of people make the mistake that here in Bloomington, we only see college kids. And the honest truth is, I wish that were true. But um, in our clinic, the average age is about 55. And we normally see a lot of townspeople. You also have to remember that Bloomington, the campus is incredibly diverse. So the faculty and things that, and, and patients we see in clinic are really diverse. We have a diverse amount of diseases and um, a lot of binocular vision problems. We also do all the school screenings for all of the schools in um, the Monroe County um, school, school township. So we also have a large pediatric population that we're working with. So there is a ton of diversity in patients here at, in our clinic. By the end of your whole time here, you're gonna have at the very least 2,000 exams. And that's you seeing a patient. That's not you observing or you watching somebody else. That's you having 2,000 touches on a patient. 
And that's not an, I think a lot of our students are more than that because you can't forget, although clinic begins here at IUSO when you're a third year, when you go on to that fourth year, you're gonna have so much more exposure, diversity of patient, diversity of care. Um, you're gonna learn a ton when you're out on your fourth year rotation. And depending on where you are and how busy it is, you could have way more than 2000 experiences at the end of it. Awesome. Um, so having attended a different um, school for optometry school, but now you're back at IUSO as a faculty member, what in your opinion makes IUSO different from other programs? Honestly, I, I truly believe that we just make excellent clinicians. I mean, there's no other way to talk about it than that. Um, I am so lucky to have played just even a sliver of time with the people that are out there changing my profession right now. I'm very proud of the people that have come out of IUSO. Um, our students are sought after on rotation sites. So we have a waiting list of places that want us to join them, to have our students come to them on rotations. Um, and we're always adding new rotations all the time for our fourth years, but our students are sought after and they're wanted. And that's because they're ready to go when they get to their rotation sites. There's not a lot of tripping up. I mean, there's a learning curve for sure, but they know what they're doing and they're in solid ground. And like I said, just the alum that come out of here who have changed the face of my profession um, really make me proud. A lot of our alums that live in Kentucky have pushed forward a lot of the laws that a lot of us are enjoying now, such as lasers and things like that. Um, we just have a great clinical program that I am very proud to be a part of. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, so I'm pretty sure IOSO keeps their students very, very busy and involved with all things academics and clinic, but what are ways your optometry students are involved on campus when they're not studying um, or in class? Yeah, I think that's a great question. It does, obviously, the way we've been talking, it does sound like I'm going to have you locked in a room studying the whole time. But honestly, I think that's probably not a very wise way to move through your optometric career. We all need a break. We all need something different to focus on, whatever that is for different people. Some people like to be involved on the campus level, and there's lots of ways to do that. Um, we have, um, you can take part in student government. So we do have um, the AOSA here in the optometry school. And AOSA is part of the AOA, which is the governing body for all optometry. They push all of our laws forward and make sure that we have good rights as optometrists. The AOSA is the student version of that and it feeds into the AOA. That's basically our student government here at the optometry school. And some of those students take part in campus government as well. So become a part of you know, decision-making for graduate students and stuff for the optometry school. Uh, another way to get involved in campus is really simple is we're a Big Ten school. You can go to games. We Everything's free except for football and basketball. Um, going over and taking part of that. We sometimes do events with the law school and the medical school um, just as mixers and because we have similar kind of you know graduate school programs. I'll, some of our students will do mixers. This is obviously pre-COVID, but um, we do mixers and, and get together with people like that. So I find that half of our students like to really be involved in campus and do things away. There's another half of our students that just want to stay here, you know, like don't want the big campus, which is easy enough to do because the campus, you know, is just right the street from us. Um, some of those students just like to stay here and they take part in things here in the optometry school or they have their own personal things such as, you know, they're, they're a part, they go work out or they 
binge on Netflix, whatever it is, um, they find their own niche and kind of work in there. And I think it's important. You got to have something separate from optometry or it'll probably drive you a little bit crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, we've talked about curriculum, involvement, all of that. But one thing that I think a lot of people don't really talk about is failure. Failure. Failure is something that no one ever anticipates, but you know, sometimes it's it's bound to happen. So what are some resources that are made available for students that um, struggle academically at IUSO? I think it's a great point because you're going to take a bunch of really bright people who have been at the top the whole time and put them together and somebody's going to end up at the bottom, right? And that is, first of all, it's incredibly hard um, for, the P for people in a graduate school situation. Like, let's face it, we're not used to struggling. We're not used to being at the bottom. And so that's a very hard thing. So the first thing is just communication. I cannot stress that enough. Um, the student administration department here, especially Cindy and myself, are always available to our students to talk to us when they feel like they're in trouble. But you also have to talk to your professors. And that is a hard thing to do when you've never asked for help before. So first things first is learning to ask for help. But after that, there's a ton of resources that we have. First of all, almost all classes have associate instructors and the professor and office hours. So the associate instructors are there to help you, like guide you. They are teaching this class, they've already taken this class and they're helping the professor. So they're a great resource. The professor themselves are also a great resource. You can't be afraid to go talk to them when you feel like you're struggling or having trouble. And then office hours. We have open door policy here at Indiana University. So if you see me in the hallway and you have a question about one of my classes that you're in, as long as I'm not busy, you can just stop me and we can start talking right there. I answer email incessantly. And so I, I have no problem reaching out. None of the other faculty do either. Sometimes people will have very, um, like here is tabling times. Like for me, one of my courses, we have what's called tabling times where we set two hours apart, one hour separately each week where our associate instructors meet with students and answer questions. Um, so a lot of classes have that. So that's another resource. If you kind of exhaust all of those resources, the other thing you could do is get a tutor. We have tutoring for free available to our students. And so what they have to do is reach out to their professor, talk to them, tell them that they're struggling, see if the professor can help them in any way or make sure that they're utilizing all the resources. And as long as they are, the professor then emails our office and says, hey, can you help them get lined up with a tutor? A tutor is somebody that's already an upperclassman who's already taken the course and scored at least an A minus in that course. So, um, so it kind of is great in two ways. Like it's really great for our students that are struggling, but it's also good for the people who are tutoring because it, it's a great way to study. Teaching somebody how to do, uh, teaching somebody a subject is probably one of the best ways to study and getting them prepared. So there's a lot of resources and we will do whatever it takes to try to help our students feel comfortable and, and get back on their feet again, basically. That was a really good answer. Thank you so much, Doc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so lastly here before um, in the interview, so how do you prepare your students for national boards? Because, you know, you can be a really great student, but you can't really be a clinician until you've passed your boards and you get your um, optometry license. So what are ways that you um, help students prepare for their national boards and just go into it um, feeling really um, confident. Confident. 
Yeah, definitely. I think boards is always out there looming for people. It's it's the scary word that everybody's afraid of. And I won't lie, I was too. And, and if you asked me to go back and take it again, I wouldn't. So there you go. But um, basically, first and foremost, we have a very strong didactic program. When you talk about national boards, most of the time my brain goes straight to part one, not gonna lie. Um, so for part one, we have a very strong didactic program in those first two years. We're building a foundation for you to take boards. Because a lot of times that first part of boards is a lot of the basic sciences. It's a lot of the basic sciences, but they put it in clinical format. So that is one thing that our basic science professors do is they structure their test in a format that is very much like part one. Um, they put it in board form outline. They have multiple response, which means that more than one answer can be correct. Students hate that, but that's honestly how it is on the boards. And so it is super important for them to get used to that type of testing. We also give a lot of our tests on ExamSoft, which is a computer style, and that's the way you're going to take part one. At the end of your first year, we also have a review course, which is a course that takes the whole entire first year and reviews with you that first year, because that's going to be important that we have that information solid before we move into our second year. And then once we move into that second year, we continue to build on that base and go from there. We are in the, we are in the process of trying to create a review course the summer after the second year, um, but that one isn't quite on its feet yet, but that is our goal long-term is to make another course at the end of the second year to kind of review everything before you go back into boards. The other thing we do too is we have, um, for part one, we work together with the KMK program, which is a nationally known overall review course. And our students go through that course. We give them time off, we close clinic, like when they're trying to work it into their schedule. This year was kind of odd because of COVID. Um, they had to take it a lot, like really fast, um, but they survived, they're done with it. They're ready for the review. Um, the other thing we do is in the second semester, when you take part one, we, the week before you don't have any classes, you do still have clinic, which is only eight hours that week. And then the week of boards, you're off entirely. So there's no clinic, there's no didactic. So we're giving you some time leading in there. Um, I would never encourage a student to wait until <laughs> that week to start studying, but it's really a time to give yourself a little bit more time to study if you want or moments to breathe or whatever it is that you're gonna need going into that test. Um, and honestly, we do a lot of things, but I also think part of it is the student, like how they're biding their time, how they're studying for boards, like making sure they're carving that time out for boards. It can be very difficult sometimes because of the placement of boards being in the second semester. Um, but we do a lot to support our students. And, and as far as part two goes, that one actually is getting ready. It's actually next week um, for our students. And you usually take it in your fourth year. That is a very clinically based test. And, um, KMK offers some review for that, but honestly, it's exactly what you're doing. It's what you've been doing on your rotations, and our students always score incredibly well, as is part three. Part three is just, you know, the test itself. Can you do the testing? Part three is kind of in a revision right now, but it'll be several years before they get, they get that revision out and kind of on its feet. But right now, part three is just basically doing the eye exam and making sure that you are ready to go to see patients on your own and our students are very, very prepared for that. Awesome, I think it's really cool that you guys um, give them a week off just to kind of push them to prepare for the exam because I think it can be really tough to try to um, 
fit it into your busy schedule with clinics. Absolutely. Um, so I think that is really, really good. Um, so Dr. Cohen, this has been a delight having you here. You. <laughs> closing, what would be just one piece of advice to students that are interested in applying or attending um, Indiana College of Optometry? Um, for me, for a prospective student, I'm going to say it every admissions day and I'll say it here and I said it already, but find the place that you fit. You know, where, if you're comfortable, you're going to learn way better. Um, I will tell you that here at IUSO, kind of our whole style is family. We're going to take care of you and, and everything that that entails. A lot of personal things happen to students while they're in optometry school. Life doesn't stop just because you're studying. Um, so we take that into account. We're going to take care of you. We're going to help you. We have in-service counseling. We have fun things to do. We just had two weeks of free snacks. I mean, we'll do whatever we can for our students. But the really important thing from a student aspect is make sure you're comfortable because you're going to learn way better when you're comfortable and feel at home than if you're uncomfortable where you're at. So that is my biggest piece of advice is when you're interviewing, see if you can imagine yourself there. Can you imagine yourself being a part of that culture, a part of that school? And, and if you can, then that's probably your place. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Cohn. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed it. So that is all for this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you to Dr. Cohn for taking the time to join us today and giving us the inside scoop about the IUSO program. If you want to go ahead and follow them on Instagram, it's at IU underscore optometry. Follow them so that you can keep up to date with the awesome things that they're up to. And if you want to keep up with the podcast, you can go ahead and follow at keepin.it.od. I post when episodes go live, and I also post polls so that I can hear your opinions and what you'd like to see on the show. Lastly here, if you or someone that you know would like to collaborate on an episode, feel free to email me at keepinitodpodcast at hotmail.com. Put collab in the subject line so that way I see it. And once I do, I'll shoot you an email and we'll get something figured out. And we'll see you right back here next week with a brand new episode. And it's going to be all about Nova Southeastern University. And as always, we will be keeping it OD. Thank you, guys.